the Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, The Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Thank you for joining us tonight as we make our way each and every year through every verse, every chapter, every book of the old, old book, the book of books, the Bible itself. Tonight, we're going to pick up here in chapter 15 of the book of Exodus, where we left off in our reading last evening. We've started out earlier this month with the book of Genesis, and now we're making our way through the book of Exodus, then Leviticus. And then just in time for the Christmas holidays, moving over to the New Testament, where we'll read the Gospel of Matthew, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. This is always a great season of the year, beginning with November and Thanksgiving. Being grateful is fundamental to a heart that seeks God. One of the marks of a true believer is a spirit of thanksgiving, a brokenness, a humility, a willingness to give thanks. Not just in general give thanks, but give thanks to God himself, to our creator, the one who has given us life. Not only physical life on this planet that we all enjoy, hopefully you're celebrating the new life that he gives us in Christ as well. I encouraged you last night at the end of our program to make that commitment to receive Christ, to come out of the kingdom of darkness, bondage to wickedness and to our own self-needs, and to surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus the Messiah to begin that new life in him. And I hope that many of you did that. As always, if you make that decision and that commitment to trust Christ, if we can be of any assistance to you in your Christian growth, just get in touch with us at thebiblelive.com, www.thebiblelive.com. Now, Psalm 15 tonight on The Bible Live. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 19. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the strength of my salvation, and my stronghold. I will call on the Lord, who is worthy of praise, for he saves me from my enemies. 
The ropes of death surrounded me. The floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death itself stared me in the face. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountains shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angel, he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. The brilliance of his presence broke through the clouds, raining down hail and burning coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High gave a mighty shout. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. His lightning flashed, and they were greatly confused. Then, at your command, O Lord, at the blast of your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He delivered me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was weakest, but the Lord upheld me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. End of reading, Psalm 18, verses 1 through 19. Love's like a hurricane, I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. Did I say Psalm 15? I meant Psalm 18. I was sitting there looking at Exodus chapter 15, and 15 just came to my brain and out my mouth. Folks, don't go away. The Bible Live will return in just a moment. We'll pick up there in Exodus 15. The beautiful Psalm 18 tonight. Gratitude for deliverance, probably written in the latter part of David's life as God had given him victory over all of his enemies. A lot of danger he faced in his lifetime, not only military danger and threats on his life itself, but also political intrigue, threats from enemies within and without. And God had been faithful to him all the way. And David here celebrates it and gives thanks to God for his protection. One thing most interesting from Psalm 18, from many other passages of Scripture as well, often you'll find God referred to as the Most High or the true and living God. This is an important designation for David to make, for the people of Israel to make, because pagan idol worship was deeply rooted in the land of Canaan. Each region, each people group had its own set of deities, often many gods, as we have seen in in our reading about Egypt. These images of wood and stone were powerless. David was placing the Lord alone in the superior category, the most high God. That is caught up in the whole idea of God's holiness. God is holy is not simply an idea of moral purity, although that is a part of it. But actually the word holy means set apart, one of a kind. There is no other. So when we talk about God, when we think about God, we're thinking about the God who is above all other beings, all other created or even imaginary beings, the God who is alone, the creator of the universe, the one who created and sustains everything that exists, created and sustains our very lives. That is the true and living God, the most high God. He's not even limited by the names we give him. Sometimes we can actually limit God by the names that we give him in our mind. So it's important that as we think of 
Jehovah, as we think of God, that we not limit him even to our own imagination. He is greater, stronger, more beautiful, wiser, more intelligent, more powerful than any of us can imagine. The true and living God, the Holy One of Israel, the Most High God. Now tonight we're going to pick up at Exodus chapter 15. I'll get that number right this time. It starts with a song of deliverance. It's a song of worship. It's a song of celebration. Some say that this song of Moses is the oldest recorded song in all of human history. It's a festive epic poem celebrating God's victory as he brought them out of Egypt as slaves. And then, of course, we'll go on now to their experience in the wilderness there at the base of Mount Sinai. That's where they're going to camp. And God is going to be about the work of nation building. And we get to see the process. Let's listen together to the Bible life. Exodus 15, 1 through eighteen twenty-seven. Exodus 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has thrown both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my victory. He is my God, and I will praise him. He is my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yes, the Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and armies he has thrown into the sea. The very best of Pharaoh's officers have been drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, dashes the enemy to pieces. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew those who rose against you. Your anger flashed forth. It consumed them as fire burns straw. At the blast of your breath, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood straight like a wall. In the middle of the sea, the waters became hard. The enemy said, I will chase them, catch up with them, and destroy them. I will divide the plunder, avenging myself against them. I will unsheath my sword. My power will destroy them. But with a blast of your breath, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who else among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is glorious in holiness like you, so awesome in splendor, performing such wonders? You raised up your hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. With unfailing love, you will lead this people whom you have ransomed. You will guide them in your strength to the place where your holiness dwells. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The leaders of Edom will be terrified. The nobles of Moab will tremble. All the people of Canaan will melt with fear. Terror and dread will overcome them. Because of your great power, they will be silent like a stone. Until your people pass by, O Lord, until the people whom you purchased pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place you have made as your home, O Lord, the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have made. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers rushed into the sea, the Lord brought the water crashing down on them. But the people of Israel had walked through on dry land. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women in rhythm and dance. And Miriam sang this song, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has thrown both horse and rider into the sea. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the sure desert. They traveled in this desert for three days without water. When they came to Marah, they finally found water, but the people couldn't drink it because it was bitter. That is why the place was called Marah, which means bitter. Then the people turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a branch. 
Moses took the branch and threw it into the water. This made the water good to drink. It was there at Morah that the Lord laid before them the following conditions to test their faithfulness to him. If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and laws, then I will not make you suffer the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Marah, they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees. They camped there beside the springs. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Exodus 16. Then they left Elim and journeyed into the Sin Desert, between Elim and Mount Sinai. They arrived there a month after leaving Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel spoke bitterly against Moses and Aaron. Oh, that we were back in Egypt, they moaned. It would have been better if the Lord had killed us there. At least there we had plenty to eat. But now you have brought us into this desert to starve us to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I am going to rain down food from heaven for you. The people can go out each day and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether they will follow my instructions. Tell them to pick up twice as much as usual on the sixth day of each week. Then Moses and Aaron called a meeting of all the people of Israel and told them, In the evening you will realize that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glorious presence of the Lord. He has heard your complaints, which are against the Lord and not against us. The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say this to the entire community of Israel. Come into the Lord's presence and hear his reply to your complaints. And as Aaron spoke to the people, they looked out toward the desert. Within the guiding cloud, they could see the awesome glory of the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the people's complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail arrived and covered the camp. The next morning, the desert all around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew disappeared later in the morning, thin flakes, white like frost, covered the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it, they asked. And Moses told them, It is the food the Lord has given you. The Lord says that each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person. So the people of Israel went out and gathered this food, some getting more and some getting less. By gathering two quarts for each person, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, Do not keep any of it overnight. But of course, some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. By then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell, and Moses was very angry with them. The people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the food they had not picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, there was twice as much as usual on the ground, four quarts for each person instead of two. The leaders of the people came and asked Moses why this had happened. He replied, The Lord has appointed tomorrow as a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. On this day we will rest from our normal daily tasks. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. The next morning the leftover food was wholesome and good, without maggots or odor. Moses said, This is your food for today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. Gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground for you on that day. Some of the people went out anyway to gather food, even though it was the Sabbath day, but there was none to be found. 
How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? The Lord asked Moses. Do they not realize that I have given them the seventh day, the Sabbath, as a day of rest? That is why I give you twice as much food on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must stay in your places. Do not pick up food from the ground on that day. So the people rested on the seventh day. In time, the food became known as manna. It was white like coriander seed, and it tasted like honey cakes. Then Moses gave them this command from the Lord. Take two quarts of manna and keep it forever as a treasured memorial of the Lord's provision. By doing this, later generations will be able to see the bread that the Lord provided in the wilderness when he brought you out of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, Get a container and put two quarts of manna into it. Then store it in a sacred place as a reminder for all future generations. Aaron did this just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He eventually placed it for safekeeping in the Ark of the Covenant. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived in the land of Canaan where there were crops to eat. The container used to measure the manna was an omer, which held about two quarts. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Exodus 17. At the Lord's command, the people of Israel left the Sin Desert and moved from place to place. Eventually, they came to Rephidim, but there was no water to be found there. So once more, the people grumbled and complained to Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you arguing with me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to complain. Why did you ever take us out of Egypt? Why did you bring us here? We, our children, and our livestock will all die. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, What should I do with these people? They were about to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Take your shepherd's staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile. Then call some of the leaders of Israel and walk on ahead of the people. I will meet you by the rock of Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and water will come pouring out. Then the people will be able to drink. Moses did just as he was told, and as the leaders looked on, water gushed out. Moses named the place Masa, the place of testing, and Meribah, the place of arguing. Because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord going to take care of us or not? While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek came to fight against them. Moses commanded Joshua, Call the Israelites to arms and fight the army of Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded. He led his men out to fight the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff with his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites gained the upper hand. Moses' arms finally became too tired to hold up the staff any longer. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side, holding up his hands until sunset. As a result, Joshua and his troops were able to crush the army of Amalek. Then the Lord instructed Moses, Write this down as a permanent record, and announce it to Joshua. I will blot out every trace of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said they have dared to raise their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Exodus 18. Word soon reached Jethro, the priest of Midian and Moses' father-in-law, about all the wonderful things God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He had heard about how the Lord had brought them safely out of Egypt. Sometime before this, Moses had sent his wife Zipporah and his two sons to live with Jethro, his father-in-law. The name of Moses' first son was Gershom, for Moses had said when the boy was born, 
I have been a stranger in a foreign land. The name of his second son was Eliezer, for Moses had said at his birth, The God of my fathers was my helper. He delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro now came to visit Moses, and he brought Moses' wife and two sons with him. They arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God. Moses was told, Jethro, your father-in-law, has come to visit you. Your wife and your two sons are with him. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed to him respectfully and greeted him warmly. They asked about each other's health and then went to Moses' tent to talk further. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to rescue Israel from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. He also told him about the problems they had faced along the way and how the Lord had delivered his people from all their troubles. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the Lord had done for Israel as he brought them out of Egypt. Praise be to the Lord, Jethro said, for he has saved you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. He has rescued Israel from the power of Egypt. I know now that the Lord is greater than all other gods because his people have escaped from the proud and cruel Egyptians. Then Jethro presented a burnt offering and gave sacrifices to God. As Jethro was doing this, Aaron and the leaders of Israel came out to meet him. They all joined him in a sacrificial meal in God's presence. The next day, Moses sat as usual to hear the people's complaints against each other. They were lined up in front of him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, Why are you trying to do all this alone? The people have been standing here all day to get your help. Moses replied, Well, the people come to me to seek God's guidance. When an argument arises, I am the one who settles the case. I inform the people of God's decisions and teach them his laws and instructions. This is not good, his father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing him their questions to be decided. You should tell them of God's decisions, teach them God's laws and instructions, and show them how to conduct their lives. But find some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as judges over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. These men can serve the people, resolving all the ordinary cases. Anything that is too important or too complicated can be brought to you, but they can take care of the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God directs you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and made them judges over the people. They were put in charge of groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. These men were constantly available to administer justice. They brought the hard cases to Moses, but they judged the smaller matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. End of reading, Exodus 15, 1 through 18, 27. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things. This is the Bible Live.
to now, God has brought them out of Egypt, out of a life of bondage and slavery. They have basically plundered the Egyptian people, given jewelry and so on, gold and silver. And they have left Egypt safely. They were in danger when the Pharaoh's army tried to catch them and take them back into bondage. But they were delivered as they walked across the Red Sea. God delivered them and they were able to go across on dry land while the army of Pharaoh is destroyed in the deluge of water as it returned. Now, as they set out, almost immediately we see complaining. Lack of faith, lack of trust. We have to remember now that this is a mob of slaves. This is not a nation, not a well-organized people group with institutions that sustain it as a group, with traditions. They obviously maintained their affiliation and their understanding of themselves as the people of Israel. They think of themselves in tribal family units still. There is some residual faith in the true and living God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 400 years have passed. Moses is having to remind them of who they are, of whose they are, that they belong to the true and living God. So we're going to see a very painful, difficult process of nation building. And we know a little bit about nation building here in America as we have tried to export democracy, freedom, the values that this nation was founded upon that we are quickly abandoning in these times. We have tried often to export these values and that freedom to other countries. We've tried to liberate them from dictators. Totalitarianism means total power, total authority is vested in government. Our national founders brought forth the idea that we do not receive our rights as human beings from the government. We receive them from God himself. That liberates us from dictatorships that would impose total control over our lives as increasing numbers and percentage of our people in this country are now beholden to government, receiving benefits, money, and rights, and privileges from the government, the more the government is able to control us. The problem of socialism or communism is that you become so beholden to the government, you do not realize that you are becoming enslaved as well, that you are losing your freedoms. Almost everything that happens, God is going to be teaching the people of Israel now how to live as free men, to look to God for their provision. Now, the people of Israel are in the process of learning the same lessons that you and I have to learn now as God's people in this time in which we live. They are already habituated to slavery, to bondage, to dependence upon the state and dependence upon the government. They are so dependent upon earthly situations for their existence. That's why they complain when they don't have water. They complain and murmur when they don't have food. They're not in the habit of looking to God, His goodness, His faithfulness, His power for the provisions of our lives. And that's the same lesson that we have to learn. Your joy, your well-being is not defined by your earthly circumstances. That's why the Sabbath existed. So it's a constant weekly reminder that our lives are caught up in heaven, not here on planet Earth. See you next time. Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall Haas Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. 
Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.